Hi Sherry, I am so glad that you could join me today. I've been following you for quite some time and I know your story, <laughs> but can you just tell us your story? Tell us a little bit about you so people know like where you started and what you're doing right now. And then from there, I'm going to have a ton of questions. Okay. I'm all for it. Thank you so much for inviting me, Sophia. This is always so much fun. And uh, I know that you're going to ask lots of great questions and everyone listening is going to have a great time. So we'll just jump right in. So my story basically is I used to be a physician. I practiced um, medicine for 18 years. I actually ran a surgical residency program, but I was not happy in my life. I wanted to do something different. I didn't like being trapped in an office. Mm. And of course, when I started med medicine, there was no online anything, right? So right. <laughs> uh, that was a long time ago. I graduated medical school in 1982. So I practiced until I paid off all of my loans. And that was really great. And then I said, okay, now I'm free. No more school loans. No more anything. Sold everything I had and ended up meeting Domingo Ruiz, who wrote The Four Agreements. I know a lot of people love that book. And I decided to start studying with him um, after going on my first retreat with him. And I had never gone on a retreat before. It shocked me. It just changed my life. It spun my head around 180 degrees. And I was like, now I understand why I'm not happy in my life. I'm unhappy in my life because of me and not because anything external to me. Mm. And that was my revelation in my first retreat. And once I understood that, it was a matter of now what do I do? <laughs> so <laughs> I started studying with him and then um, started teaching the four agreements, wrote a few books on this on the subject and started running retreats in 2003. So that was a lot of fun. And I learned a lot, started a travel agency, uh, did about five retreats a year, which was a lot. And then yeah. coaching for the four agreements. And I did that for probably about 12 years or so. And then I was looking for another change because I, I get bored easily. <laughs> it's crazy. And then I decided um, after observing the market for a while that many coaches and authors and facilitators do not know how to do transformational retreats well or legally. So uh, I decided to create Wanderlust Entrepreneur, which is my current company. And we teach heart-based entrepreneurs how to add transformational destination retreats to their businesses and it's all about the transformation. I believe, Sophia, and I, and I know you do too, that travel is transformational and that getting out of our box changes our lives, our perspective, our point of view. Uh, we make new friends. We learn new things. We eat differently. We listen to people's different spiritual traditions. It's, it's just, yeah, I couldn't even think of living my life without that being part of my life. See, and this is why, <laughs> this is why you're my people, because that's exactly <laughs> what I believe. You know, for me, 
travel is a form of transformation because it is all about all the different cultures and like you said, the food and trying different things. So full disclosure, I am in Sherry's program. <laughs> so I'll have her talk about that a little bit later. So you guys can check that out. But my first question, because you said it was your first retreat and it was Don Miguel Ruiz. Yes. Why him? Like what, what did you read the book first or did you just see that there was a retreat happening and you're like, Hey, this is speaking to me. Why not? Okay. So I went to college back in the hippie days. And back then, uh, Carlos Castaneda had a series of books that was very popular. And I must have read them over and over again, like 10 times. But there was no one teaching and he subsequently passed. And so I was like, I would love to find another Toltec teacher because I like the tradition. Ooh. And then I saw there was a book written about Don Miguel Ruiz. And so I, I wrote to the, his company and they said, oh, we have a retreat coming up to Mexico, the, these dates, which was the exact dates of my vacation Oh wow! in my office, my April vacation, because I closed during the holidays. You know, no one really wants to come in during Easter Passover time. So I just closed the office during that time for a week and it was perfect timing. So I said, I'm going to go. And uh, that is how, you know, once I signed up, of course, I read the four agreements because I hadn't read it. I had just read a book about him. Mm -hmm. And that is how I ended up on that trip. I didn't know about him at all. And then, yes, I got hooked. <laughs> okay. So how do you feel like you've changed from Sherry the doctor to Sherry the person who gives retreats, teaches about retreats, and owns a travel company? <laughs> Well, I think my biggest change is is really, again, yes, I made changes on the outside in my life and how I run my life. But the biggest changes, Sophia, were the internal changes that came as a result of studying with him and all the retreats I went on with him, because it really made me take ownership of the way that I create my life the way that I perceive everything outside of myself. Ooh. So for example, I used to think that I was unhappy because of my two ex-husbands, because of my office, Medicare, insurance, uh, medicine in general, my parents. I had a litany of things external to me that I thought was causing my issues. And then when I came to understand that that's not truth, I create my reality the way that I choose to create it, it, mm -hmm. it made me really think about what do I want? What do I want? Not what everyone wants for me, which is how a lot of us are in the situations we're in because we're doing what everyone else wants us to do in our life. And then we're not really living our own life. So that that's more of what I focus focus on was the internal shifts and they took place over time. They, they involved a lot of forgiveness because I was angry at Ooh. a lot of things. And so I let all of that go. Now I'm not angry about anything. And it, it, it keeps you young. Like I'm in my mid sixties now, but when people meet me, they don't, they, my energy and such is 
they don't really feel that from me. And I think when you're happy internally, it it shows externally and it keeps us young and vibrant. So I I think the most important thing is working on ourselves and taking responsibility. And the fact that I was able to do that while traveling and doing all of these retreats, it it was like, it was like the best ice cream <laughs> chocolate all over it. It was the best way that I could possibly investigate myself. And it, it was, I would do it over again, over and over and over the same exact thing as painful as it was. And I'm not saying any of this was easy because really looking at yourself and seeing your stuff. Yeah, that is not easy. And um, just that inner honesty, it's it's a lot. Yes, yeah, it is. It is really difficult to turn within, really, and and then recognize that all the stuff that's coming out is is all your stuff, and what you're seeing in the mirror, you really have to start dealing with that. It's like that's the person you want to deal with, the one that you're that's reflecting back to you. But then also as you're looking outside, that's kind of, that's not all you, but some of it is a reflection back to you. Yes, absolutely, Sophia. I agree with that 100%. So one of the questions, and you kind of touched on it a little bit, but I'm going to go ahead and ask. So did you feel like you were letting anybody down when you decided to change your life? Oh, Yes. My parents were distraught, absolutely distraught, because my stepfather, who I had originally been practicing with, and then he retired, he was upset. My mother was upset. Even my second husband, when I left medicine, was upset. That's part of what caused the the friction between us. So, yeah, everyone was upset. Even my patients were upset. They were like, but, but, except for my elderly patients. The really elderly patients said, yes, yeah, Sherry, I'm going to miss you horribly, but take this advice. When you're on your deathbed and I'm close to it, they would say, you don't want to say, I didn't get a chance to do this in my life, or I lived my life for other people other than myself. So they really encouraged me, even though they were sad, mm-hmm. but yeah, it was, it was quite a process, but yeah, my sister didn't, you know, when I started studying with Domingo Ruiz and I sold my practice, my sister didn't talk to me for a year. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. So how was that for you? Just knowing that now I'm choosing me. I'm choosing my life. I'm choosing to be happy for me. But yeah, all these other people are mad at me because of how I'm living my life. How, how did that affect you? I mean, I, and I know that is a deeply personal question, so just give us what you want. But, you know, how did that really affect you? It's, it's not deeply personal at all. I don't have anything. I don't have any secrets or things to hide anymore in my life. Um, it, at first, you know, it was difficult, but uh, because I hadn't studied with Don Miguel Ruiz yet. So I was trying to process all of this, but I felt like I, I, I was just done. 
I was done. I couldn't do it anymore. I felt like I was dying inside. And so I figured if I kept going on like this, it would be really bad. You know, I'd be on antidepressants or who knows what. So I had to just take that leap of faith, knowing that I I can make a living and make money doing anything. I I really have that much faith in myself. And I figured, you know, whatever, it's going to be fine. I mean, my parents were afraid I was going to become a bad lady if I didn't practice medicine. But, (laughs) you know, I've reinvented myself since then twice. And I'm not a bad lady yet. So um, sometimes living well is the best revenge. That that is true. That is really true. So your steps to becoming a doctor. Was that always your dream to become a doctor at that time? Or so who's, what was that about? That was my parents uh, because, you know, my father, my dad, not my stepdad, my father was a sheet metal mechanic and my mom was like a typical mom who stayed at home. And so they felt like, you know, they were really working class people and they felt that if you become a doctor, you will always have work because people are always sick and (laughs) I wanted to go into architecture and design. I love design. Like you can't, I'm in my office now. You can't see my house, but it is really pretty. And um, it's, it's one of my favorite things, renovating and decor. And so because my dad was in the building trades, he felt like every time there's a recession, I would be suffering And not be working. And so they really pushed me. And back then, like, you still listen to your parents, I think, back in the 70s. still, Still a lot of people are there in that space because they want to please their parents or, you know, whatever their background is, whether it's cultural or economic, they are still listening and they're still living somebody else's dream. Yeah. Well, you see that absolutely in certain cultures, I think, like in the Indian culture, India, Indian, they they really push their kids to become engineers, doctors, you know, and so um, my background's Jewish. It's like doctor, lawyer, business person. So yeah, that's part of that um, thing that we're always, Uh, fighting with but um yeah I I like art and design Uh, I'm still a big fan and I I've taken art classes and I'm I'm a pretty good artist when I get around to it but I, I I think you just have to let that go and do where what your heart is telling you your purpose you know what you're here for I've always been a teacher. I like teaching. So mm-hmm. that is part of it. I do like the design, but I also like teaching. So I right. try to bring everything together if I can. And so my retreats, I try to make them artful in their design. My trip pages, I try to make them beautiful and teach others how to do the same. And so I, I do bring as many elements as I can of myself to the table every day if I can. And I think that that's so amazing that you can just look at your life and then pinpoint all the things that you love and then say, hmm, 
what what's a good recipe to just bring that all together so that I can have this one thing that I can present to the world but represents all parts of me. And I right. think that is just that's a that's amazing to me because I don't, it's not easy. <laughs> no, it's about bringing all that you are to all that you do. That's what I always say. And if you like can that. do that, bring all that you are to all that you do, you you're, will be in good shape. I love that. I'm going to have to remember that. Bring all that you are to all that you all do. All that you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's lovely. I love that. Yeah, that's a little Sherryism. <laughs> so, okay, so you're going through your changes. You're studying with Don Miguel. Is there like one aha moment that you can pinpoint or is it just a series of changes that happen subtly through your life and then all of a sudden you look back and it's like wow that's different (laughs) i don't know i think certain things happen in our life that keep propelling us forward sometimes we judge them to be bad now i know never judge anything that happens that's horrible to be horrible Because a lot of times things that seem really bad happen because they totally take us in a different direction in our life. And I've had plenty of those. And now, you know, I always take when something really uncomfortable happens, I just say, okay, I evaluate it, see what my part in it was. Uh, Did something happen because... I had a level of non-awareness around whatever it was, or, you know, is this the universe's way of hitting me with the cosmic two by four? Which <laughs> I, we've all been hit with the cosmic two by four. Sometimes yep. <laughs> it's just to like get us doing something different. So I, I think these things happen regularly through our life and in, in the dream of the planet in general. I mean, even COVID was a big cosmic two by four. Yes. Yes, it was. <laughs> and we all got to choose how we wanted to react to it and whether we wanted to take a lesson from it or not. Well, exactly. Exactly. So having said that, I'm, I'm believing that you took a lesson from it. So can, can you share what lesson that you took from the whole COVID thing? Well, the lesson came, um, for me at least, on multiple levels. As a business person, I think one of the lessons is understanding that fluidity is the most important thing one can have in, in life because you can never be totally attached to anything in your mm-hmm. life because mm-hmm. nothing is permanent. Right. And so you always need to pivot. And be okay about pivoting. The, it, it, you you have trouble pivoting when you're attached to whatever it is. The idea of what you're doing should be going on forever. And it doesn't work like that. So uh, non-attachment and the ability to be fluid and pivot is was a really important thing that we saw throughout covid and the pandemic because we didn't let any of our staff go. Okay. We yes. So and we did well financially throughout the uh, pandemic, where other people didn't because 
they just were victimized by it. So, and and I don't mean that any disrespect to anybody, but I believe that if we're not making money and we're not surviving, it's a lack of creativity that is doing that on our part, because you can always do something. You can always help someone, create something, sell something, teach something. I mean, there's always something. There's always something. Or you could use the time to learn and pivot and do something else, whatever the case may be. So that's one thing really drove home the importance of fluidity okay. and non-attachment. And so it was that and... um just to be more creative, to just the creativity part of it really hit me, uh, to be creative. But those were the big things for me. Now, for someone else, it could be just totally different lesson. Right. And I feel I was very blessed through the, the pandemic. I actually hadn't been in a relationship for like eight to 10 years or something beforehand. And I met somebody who I actually knew before right before the pandemic and uh-huh. had a beautiful relationship throughout the whole pandemic so that was really beautiful too that magic can happen at any time in your life and so it it was that was a really powerful thing for me so i don't know everyone has a different experience of the last couple of years yes definitely i think and, and I think it's easy. It was a lot easier for some people than others. Yeah. Because for me, I like people. I like being social, but I'm an introvert. <laughs> right. So am I. So I can, I have the best way to put it. So I have extroverted qualities, but the heart of me is an introvert. So not being able to go out, not bad. And then I started looking, I was like, okay, so my lifestyle kind of is locked down. (laughs) Yes, I did miss seeing friends and stuff, but then I didn't stop talking to them. Of course. You know, so sometimes, yeah, it was the physical part of actually being around people that was difficult. But in the long and the short of it, as an introvert, it's like, I was okay being with myself because I was enjoying my company. I did, you know, I started learning a few things. Um, Biggest thing was I got to work from home, which was everybody didn't have that because I still have my full-time job, even though I am a certified coach and all that other good stuff, right? But having the full-time job and being able to work from home was pretty amazing for me because it it let everybody everybody was able to see that yeah we can keep things running but the other thing that it was that brought it to me as you put kind of the creativity part it's like okay well if I can work from my house I can work from Hawaii so for my birthday I did that <laughs> went to Hawaii yes and I, you know, I took a few days off, but I had to work a few days, but I was able to take my computer and I could do that. So that that's kind of where the creativity came in because it's like, well, if you can do it in one location, you can do it in any location that you have internet access, right? Exactly. So that, that was a, that was a beautiful thing for me. 
Exactly. And before COVID, twice a year, I would go abroad and work and live abroad. I'd pick a city. Like I went to Aix-en-Provence and stayed there for a month. I went to Milan and stayed there a month and stayed in Lake Como for a week. I've gone to many different places. I stayed in Costa Rica for a month. Like I just pick a place and I go. And I, as long as I have an internet connection, I can work. And that's the beautiful thing about being online and having an online business. It just made all my dreams come true, as I said earlier, being in an office and practicing, it was just really felt very trapping for me. Mm -hmm. So now do you consider yourself a healer? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that has always been the case, whether it was medically or healing hearts and souls or I, I have this joke because when I practiced medicine, I was a podiatrist, so a foot doctor. So uh -huh. When I started teaching the four agreements, I used to say I switched from, you know, working with souls to working with souls. <laughs> Very, it's a podiatry joke. It's yes, corny. and I got it. Right? <laughs> I'm sure we all got it. <laughs> well, and, and the reason I asked that question is because it is such a different form of healing, you know, that you do. And when you're facilitating a healing from the inside out, it's really different than Western medicine that the way I see it kind of facilitates a healing from the outside in, you know, because you're looking at, okay, what's happening on the outside? Let's fix that. But the healing that you're doing now is like, what's happening on the inside? Let's fix that. And then see how that healing from the inside out starts affecting your body. How is your body now reacting to healing your heart? You know, how is, how is your soul opening up? And now that it's opening, how is your energy, not just your light energy, but how is your physical energy? Yeah. Well, Interestingly, when I practiced medicine, even though I hadn't done any personal growth work at the time, just my personality, me, was very much the kind of physician. I, I never saw more than 25 people in a day. So I used to take notes back when charts were paper Ooh. on all my patients' lives. So if someone came in with something, I would always ask, what is happening in your life? how is your family? How are you? How's your relationship? Because I was just that kind of person had nothing to do with what I was taught in medical school or anything. It was just a curiosity I had. And, uh, so I had a very different practice anyways, back then. I mean, all my patients called me Dr. Sherry. They never used my last name. I never wore, wore a white coat and, I was very warm with my patients, so they would tell me all kinds of things, and I think that made a difference. So there was a little bit of that inside-out healing along with the, what you call the outside-in healing at the same yeah. time. So I think that was a little unique to me, not all physicians, but right. uh, it brought a little joy and a little differentness to my practice back then. It and that's probably why 
your patients wanted to stick with you because they didn't feel like patients. They felt more like clients. Because I think friends people, and family, right? Because when people feel seen and heard and cared about, that is such a, a different dynamic than feeling like a number. Absolutely, you know? Sophia. And I think that's a lot of that's what you bring. That's what you've always brought. And so I think deep down, you've always been, and your calling has always been to be a healer, just not necessarily in the way that it was presented first. Mm -hmm. Because I think sometimes we'll have, um, it, it, it feels like we're going to have such a, we don't know what our purpose is, but we don't realize that we're living our purpose like every single moment. <laughs> yes, I agree, Sophia, 100%. So I do have a couple more questions, but in, I want to go ahead and ask you if you have anything coming up and anything that our audience should know about. Well, we always have our retreat training programs, Sophia, and I can give you a link to uh, put for your, for your audience. If anyone is interested in creating retreats, it would be really fun for them to take the program. And also, we are starting a program in the fall on the four agreements for entrepreneurs. So oh. if anyone is really a fan of the four agreements and uh, would want to learn more about that, they can let me know and we'll put them on the list for information. Right now, we don't have anything yet, but it's coming soon. So Okay, so put me down. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Sophia. You're on the list anyways, honey, so you're going to find out about it. No problem at all. Perfect. So before we go, if you could give somebody who's feeling stuck one piece of advice, what would that be? Well, the one piece of advice is never give up on yourself and your life. There's always solutions. Get help. Ask for help. Because when we isolate, that is not a good strategy ever. It's very important to ask for help and keep moving forward because the answer is there through taking action, not thinking about it, but actually putting something out there, taking little actions, little ones. You would be surprised. I, I think that the world wants to support us. It's just a matter of us taking that perspective and seeing that that is possible. So I would say never give up, never give up. No matter how bad it is, you could be on the street, never give up, never give up. You're worth it. Absolutely. Thank you. I think that is a great piece of advice because I think a lot of times when you're stuck, you're just so, at least I can only speak for me. When I am stuck, I am so in my head. Yes. And even though I know what I could be doing, it just feels so overwhelming to get anything done that it just, again, just feels like ugh, stuck, right? But I like that. And it's not like I haven't heard it before. And I'm sure people listening have heard it before. But I think the more times you hear it and the different, the more times you hear it differently, yeah. It's going to land. <laughs> yes. I, I couldn't agree more, Sophia. Yeah. Well, it has been such a pleasure talking to you and just spending this time with you. 
And um, yeah, the, just to give a personal plug, like the Blueprint program is, it's really amazing. And one of the things that it, it does, not only for your retreat, so yes, audience, this is a hint that there will be a retreat coming from Sophia, and so stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> but it really does um, make you look at yourself as well. You know, I think a lot of work in being an entrepreneur is actually spiritual work. <laughs> it is. We always say that your business is your spiritual path. Whatever uh, obstacles you have within yourself, they're going to show in your business.